Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined as always by Clarky and Steve Sabrin. Loaded show this week. First, we'll talk with the head coach of the Listable Cyclones of the GOJHL, Jesse Cole, about the upcoming season. Finally, it's just around the corner and his excitement for that. We'll also chat with Alan MacArthur, the owner of the Listable Squash Courts, about finally being open and some of the great programs that he's going to be running there throughout the next few months. We'll also chat with our friend Rob Longley, the Blue Jays beat reporter, the Toronto Sun on the Red Hot Blue Jays and how excited it is to have them back at the dome. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to NWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased to be joined by a great local special guest, the head coach of the GOJHL's Listable Cyclones, Jesse Coles on the line. Jesse, how you doing, man? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing well, my friend. We're really excited to see junior hockey again, particularly here in Listable. Can't wait to get into the Steve Kerr and see you guys face-to-face again. That'll be a nice change of pace. How excited are you that the season's got a start date? We know that... As of right now, anyway, we're going to play hockey again. It's 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 very exciting. Um, you know, we've been meeting as a as a staff over the last you know month regularly, and um, it's kind of it's it's weird taking the year off. You're a little bit on not on edge, but a little nervous right now because you want to remember all the details, preparing for camp and players and getting things taken care of. But um, very excited. We we start. Uh, our rookie camp starts uh, the 16th Monday. We're going to have a couple exhibition uh, scrimmages and get the guys back out on the ice and, and some of our rookies. So definitely looking forward to, to getting back into that atmosphere and enjoying some hockey again. And um, obviously excited for the players as well to kind of get back into it. Uh, Jesse, looking at uh, the players, and I know you've been busy in the offseason and there's been a few signings uh, for a returning core um, who are you looking to to lead this squad? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it, 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 we're a bit of a different look than I'm sure even for you guys from two years ago. We're 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 very young. Um, you know, right now uh, we won't at this time we won't have a 20 year old on our roster. Um, we've stayed pretty young. We've got a, a, a we felt a very good um, local group in the area, and then a lot of our older guys were in that process of going away to university. So um, it made sense to move them places where they could play. Um, but returning for us, um, you know, up front, Jaden Goldie is back um, with us and, and Cam Knight is back as well. Um, you know, those are our, our, our two 02s, so to speak, that are returning. Um, there's a couple guys, um, uh, Jaden Steele was actually signed with us last year, but with, with no season, you guys didn't get to see him. But there's a number of those guys that were committed to the previous year and signed that would have been with us if we had a season that obviously um, didn't get to play. So I'm um, looking forward to see how they mesh with the guys um, in, in that way. And then on the back end, um, Cam Angst uh, is uh, returning D back for us in 02, but we're, we're fairly young back there. Again, a lot of our guys have kind of moved on with work and school. So um, Cam would be the only returning D from the team two years ago. Um, so for the rest of the guys, it's uh, pretty young and, and a lot of opportunity ahead and, and looking forward to that. Jesse, how hard is it to look look ahead to the other teams in the division with just taking a year off um, or even you at that point yet? Are you just concentrating on your own team at this point? Well, concentrating on us for sure. Um, but, um, you know, 
obviously there's no hockey, but there's still, you still have calls with trades or you go over rosters and um, it, it's, it's actually, it's been a different year. You, you really don't have access to be able to check out rosters and get on the registry to see who's there or who's returning. And um, so right now, besides, you know, even you guys are on Twitter. I don't know a lot of kids where they've signed or where they're going or teams who even teams have returning at this point. Um, you know, I know there's some teams in our league that uh, had some a very good 2000 age players that, uh, you know, you're disappointed for those kids, but um, coming into this year, I, I'm not exactly sure who's signed where or what's going on. So I think everybody's probably in the same boat that way. Yeah. You know, I imagine they are. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. It's interesting, Jesse, because it's not only a reset, for you guys, but looking across the league, you know, a, a new commissioner for the GOJHL, uh, you have now air in the loop and Waterloo becomes Kitchener Waterloo. So a lot of changes that fans can look forward to. And, you know, how does that fit into the mix, especially with air and their new program and how competitive will they be? Uh, I think air will be very competitive. Um, you know, I've, I've actually, I spoke frequently with, with Jeff Grimwood there, their GM, um, I think for our league, it's great. You know, if you were to go watch their junior C games, that's a great building. They get a good fan turnout. I think for players playing there, it'll be a great experience for them. I think they're a great addition to to our league. Um, you know, I think I think they'll continue to have um, success and bring some good players in. Um, and, and you know, that's important for for our league. I, everybody wants to win, but I think you need to be competitive from top to bottom, right? We want to make our players better, our league better. And I think some of these changes with teams and in the organizations and moving to the places they have um, are only going to make the league better that way. Jesse, you know, you mentioned that a lot of guys are moving around. I mean, I know off the top of my head, Jonah White, guys like that, Trent Verbeek, they're going to go play in Hanover. So we are going to see some guys from the last time we saw the Cyclones on the ice still in the local junior scene. Uh, but you mentioned even the young Steel kid that you guys signed. I mean, you guys were moving and shaking last year, hoping that maybe hockey was going to come back. How difficult was that for you as a coach and a guy who's facilitating these moves, having to turn around and, you know, talk with guys about not being able to come back and play and, and knowing that some of the guys, like you said, you're never going to see in a Cyclones uniform and some guys that you had been coaching for a couple of years, you know, it was their last time you'd ever coach them. I mean, how difficult was that? Yeah, and, you know, the conversations. Was, our 2000s with River Beak and, and Coops um, and Mo, um, that was tough. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they'll, Beaker was an AP for us when we won Starlin Cup. Yeah, he scored that big goal for us against Waterloo in Game Seven, and then you know Coops and Mo both went to a Starlin Cup with us the following year, and um, were very big pieces of the organization and, and gave us everything they had. Um, it's tough because you feel for those kids. I felt for all the two thousands. I wish they would have been able to have an extra year to play. Um, regarding those guys, um, I'm happy Beaker made the decision to want to play C to continue to play. Um, I know with uh, Mo and and, and Coopsy, they're kind of focusing on some school stuff right now, but um, I, I think we'll see Coopsy probably for sure. And even Mo around at times this year, I've kind of reached out to them about attending some practices and, and even helping out and being around the guys. I think they're, they're good people to have around the organization. We have a young group to come in and, and they know how it works. They, they can work with us on the ice of practice and help out and, and be involved that way. So we're looking forward to that. Jesse, unfortunately, um, COVID, of course, still around. Um, how much more difficult is your job now? And are there any protocols in place with vaccinations with players, staff, and and fans if they get into the building? 
Uh, League-wise, um, Randy Petrie would have the full info on that. I know regarding our organizations, we are making it mandatory for our, our players to have it. Um, um, I know um, I'm getting my my last one here within the next couple of days, and um, very serious protocol. Uh, we want to make sure we're following the rules there at North Perth and when our players can come in the rink. And um, it, it's just it's kind of adjusting to that stuff normally for a, a a, a training camp if we're on the ice at seven that the players would be there at 5 45 for a check-in but obviously protocol now i think it's maybe 20 minutes they're allowed in the rink before so trying to make sure everything's set up that way and there's there's no issues with the dress rooms and 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 whatnot going on there so um it's just it's doable you want to play hockey so it's, it's doable that way and you're willing to go along with everything they suggest as long as you can play um a little bit of a different year I'll say scouting wise and recruiting wise, um, you know, a lot of times coming into camps, you know, every player you've seen them play enough. And, and I, you know, coming into our rookie camp, we have info, we know every player, but um, we weren't able to see all these kids play live last year. So that's something that was a little bit different and, and um, new for us and a new experience to try to learn from and, and see what comes out of it. Talking about uh, player safety, Jesse, what about, uh, I guess, off season training regiments, uh, you know, you don't want to hit the ice cold, and I know you have some training camps coming up, but um, have the players been able to do something away from the rink to keep themselves in somewhat of game shape leading into the start? Yeah, and that's something, honestly, a good question. I've been thinking about quite a bit here when we be getting together with our staff to discuss camp. Um, I know for sure a handful of kids have started to skate recently. Um, I think they've had some good skates maybe up, uh, on Soundway, some of our, our Highlander kids, but um, I haven't heard much else. I think a number of our, our players are actually going to starting their summer um, uh, power skating in the middle of training camp. That's when things are starting to open up. So um, I don't think there'll be a lot of guys. Some guys might not have been on the ice at all. Hopefully they were able to do some kind of training at home, if not at the gym. Um, but with us starting the 16th and, you know, if the season was scheduled to late September, it gives us a month to hopefully kind of get guys in shape and get that conditioning going and work those cobwebs out, hopefully. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it, it won't be a pretty first couple of days of camp, which is expected with, with the time off. Jesse, I want to ask you finally, uh, you mentioned about skill development and making guys better and sending them up levels and everything like that. The GOJHL continuing its quest to be designated a, a tier two junior A league. Uh, at last count, they had you know thousands of signatures on a petition. They even had former players from the league, guys like Jeff Carter, Mark Shifley, lending their voice of support. Jesse, you've played a lot of different places. You've seen a lot of hockey, played in it, coached it, been involved at just about every level. I mean, what is your opinion of that? Are you supportive of it? And in your mind, is the GOJHL a junior A league? I'm, I am supportive of it. If it's going to continue to make this league better, um, you know, and I, I don't have, I think all leagues are good. Um, but, you know, we've had in the past, uh, you know, I won't mention these, but players that have made the jump to go tier two. And the discussion was we're going because of the junior A name. If list 12 was junior A, we would never leave. So um, I think com competitive wise and development in our league, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think we've got a lot of great hockey players in this league. Um, I think sometimes 
because it's given a letter B, obviously it's talked down upon or, or not ranked as high. But um, a lot of times when, when people come to watch, they're, you know, the, the general commenters are very impressed with the talent in this league. And, and we've always known that. Um, you know, if it's going to make the league better, it's going to keep these local kids around to play here. Um, you know, I'm definitely all for that if, if that's the steps that needs to happen to continue to improve the GOJHL. Well, Jesse, we don't care what letter the league has next to it. We're just excited to get back in the rink. We love covering the team. You know that. We love interacting with you guys and the players and the staff. Can't wait to get back inside the Steve Kerr and see you guys on the ice. We really appreciate you doing this, man. Best of luck leading into camp, and uh, we can't wait to see you, man. Best of luck. Thanks, guys. I appreciate this and look forward to seeing you throughout the season. Absolutely, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse. Still here on MWO Sports alongside Clarkie and Steve Saber, and I'm Ryan Drury. We appreciate Jesse Cole, the Listowel Cyclones, joining us. We're now joined by another uh, Listowel Sports icon, if I can say that, Alan MacArthur, the owner of the Listowel Squash Courts. Alan, how are you, man? I'm good, and that, that is a first. Thank you. <laughs> I got to pump your tires a little bit. I mean, hey, let's let's talk a bit about the courts. Obviously, this whole COVID thing that we've been through has been a wild ride up and down. I'm sure for yourself as a business owner, uh, more than probably somebody like me that's been on my couch the entire time. Just how great is it to be open again? We see people in the background playing. Like, how great is it to have the courts open, man? It's awesome. It's awesome. Like, I mean, I... I made it 24 seven. I, uh, I made it unlimited, um, membership options. Um, I had everything going for it and then we just couldn't stay open. Um, so, uh, our members are awesome though. Like they've, they've been supportive. They've been eager, um, really excited to get back. Uh, some new people playing tonight, uh, started this week. Um, we've been running uh, a court camp. It was nice that we could continue with, uh, camps throughout the summer for kids. Um, being a, a father of, of young kids, I know how important that is to get them out of the house a bit and, and, uh, wear them out. I mean, just get them doing something different, right? Uh, they sleep so much better at night. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome. Um, close to five months out of the 12 closed, but we're, uh, we're going to do bigger and better things next year and, and, uh, go for 12 out of 12 months. Now, a couple of important questions that I had when I when I play Steve. First of all, um, it's nice and cool in there, correct? And also, is the emergency button working? <laughs> it is. Okay. I will be. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you. It does call me first, so okay. there's a bit of discretion there at my at my end. <laughs> I'll pull up the camera and see if you're faking it or not. Um, no, it, it's it's working. It calls me. Um, yeah, no, it's and it's cool. Like it's surprising. I have people walk in here and just blown away that there's no AC, but um, it's just a cool, dark place. Um, bright lights, but no windows, so the sun stays out. Um, you're in and out, so the door is not open. It stays nice and cool. Yeah. Now you have some uh, big plans coming up. You mentioned uh, what are some of the things that you have lined up to spur people on uh, to to get the racket in their hands. Yeah, I really want to get a men's league going this year. I tried so hard last year. Um, I wanted to, the, the idea was to get a men's league, maybe a 20-week type of uh, a league going, ladder league, um, end off with a Patty Fest tournament. Um, they're, they're really on board with doing something here too. Um, have a big tournament and then play a pro at the end. Um, I'll have a, a bit of a, a option to, to play a professional squash player. Um, and I'm hoping to get two. And then at the end of that, they can play each other. So um, guys like 
um, me, Steve, Clarky there that, that I'll come and play. Um, have never seen a professional match, maybe on TV or YouTube or whatever, but never in real life uh, we'd get, would we get that opportunity for the most part. So I really want to bring that to Listowel and try and spark some people into into seeing what it's like when uh, when two pros go at it. Yeah, you're um, sure that uh, you're sure that you want to advertise Steve and Clarky as the pros. <laughs> so, so they're not the pros. <laughs> no, we're not the pros. <laughs> we, we'd be the average guys playing the pros yes. to demonstrate. So yeah, we'd be we'd be the. Uh, you know how you always want to have the average Olympics. We're the average guys. <laughs> so in, in your guys' defense, I would put you guys probably at amateur pros. Amateur pros. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Sure. I don't know sure. what you're comparing us to on that. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Hey, listen, you have some great space in there. What else do you have going on in that space? And you are right now, if people are watching us on Whiteman or YouTube, you're up on a sort of a balcony. You've, you've yeah. been doing some stuff up there, Al. Can you fill us in? It would be sort of nice to have a bar up there, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be, wouldn't it? That'd be an awesome idea. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, I can kind of take you guys around the, the players who have left now, but, uh, you kind of up here, um, it's kind of my, right now it's kind of storage and, and work in progress, but I'm getting some poles up, um, there. And then I've got some, um, some banisters and stuff I'm going to put up and you can, it's a nice, a really nice view from up top. Um, you can see over the glass. Uh, I've really wanted to make this kind of a lounge um, type area. Maybe put up a little TV so they can check your your program out too if they they need a break on a Friday night or whatever and and uh, sports highlights whatever just just to chill out here and watch some games. Um, that's the plan. Uh, it it will be ideal for tournaments. Um, mm -hmm. The biggest thing will be tournaments up here, um, especially the Kinsman uh, Patty Fest one. They want to be able to serve some alcohol up here and, and get some people to start watching a bit um, as a recreational sport, just something that's around and people can, can be aware of. Yeah. And also you have uh, the lovely Sarah in there doing some massages if you want, right? You can do that. Um, yes. and, but also you're doing some other things as well, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I got lots of stuff going on. So we have uh, uh Megan painting by Megan. Um, she's awesome. She's uh uh, she works with young kids. Um, she does after school at one of the local schools here. Um, she's doing craft nights, um, craft days with, uh, different ages, five to eight, uh, nine to 11, uh, different days, uh, a few Saturdays, um, different themes. So you'll have a Halloween theme and a Christmas theme. Um, uh, we also have, uh, Stacy Roder, which is a local sign maker. She's going to come in and she's going to do some sign nights with, uh, do some mummy daughter date nights and and things like that really kind of um bring people in to show that that the space is here um it's here and it's available uh and still give those kids that maybe aren't sports oriented uh, something to do um i'd love to get into some science camps um things like that to to kind of help kids have something in the community that they can um really gravitate towards if that's what they're into um, and have that option. Uh, sports camps are awesome. Don't get me wrong. We do those too. We have court camps. We do those on uh, with BTL beside us. We do uh, um, every, every uh, holiday. So March break, Christmas breaks, summer break. Um, those are awesome too, but I really want to kind of reach out. I have a daughter. 
um, that she's not really into sports and that's awesome. She loves to color. She loves to paint. Um, and that's her, right? So I, I really want to bring out, uh, what, what she is and what she likes and, uh, help the other kids that are like that too. Yeah. Have you I been practicing at all? Well, like, are you ready uh, to play Steve and I yet or no? Uh, Steve just, I can't, I can't play Steve for a long time after that brutal beating he gave me that one day. I think it was, I think it was made up too. I'm not sure if Chris is actually hurt to be honest. And then Steve was in the corner pounding Red Bulls and wanted to play me and just wipe the floor with me. I don't know. You were injured <laughs> though. You you were you're on the uh, DL for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm always on the DL. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> Unreal. I, well, <laughs> I, yeah, I've played a I've played a bit this week with the kids at the core camp. The deal is with core camp if you uh, if your kid comes throughout the for the week on the the Friday, um, I play the kid. Uh, I play the kid. I don't hold back. But the rule is if they beat me, they get to keep the racket they're playing with. So that's kind of the incentive all week to get them going and, and get them going. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it was good. I played a couple today that won't be here tomorrow. So, um, I'll be sore tomorrow for sure. Back on that's the deal. great, great news, <laughs> Alan. I mean, uh, like you said, I, I love that you're utilizing the space for lots of different stuff. Can't wait to see what you're up to. Keep us in the loop stoked that you're back open and, uh, we really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks again for doing this. And we'll see all three of you on the court, right? Sometime soon? I hope so. Certainly. I got to come check it out and see if Perfect. I stack up against these two amateur pros, as we call them. <laughs> all right. Uh, we appreciate it. Check out uh, the List of Wolves Squash Club online. Uh, they're on Facebook. You can find them on the internet. Go check it out. Book yourself some times and, uh, and try some squash out. It's a really fun sport. All right. We'll take a quick break. Stand by with us. Rob Longley, Sunbeat reporter for the Jays, is going to join us next to talk some baseball. I can't wait. The Jays are on fire. They're back home. We're going to talk with Rob Longley next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarkie and Steve Sabrin. Thanks to Jesse Cole and Al MacArthur from here in Listowel for joining us on the show. We're now pleased to be joined by friend of the show, Rob Longley, Sunbeat reporter for the Blue Jays. Rob, how are you, buddy? Good, guys. Good. We're watching the Field of Dreams in the background. It's a big night for baseball. I'll be watching baseball at one in the morning, I suspect. It certainly is. I'll be doing the exact same thing. I have dropped a, a bit of coin on baseball today myself. So very exciting times. And speaking of exciting, hey, the Blue Jays, we're fired up about them. They seem to be fired up about being back at proper home, the Rogers Center. They've won 12 of 14 as we record this. Uh, and they have they've just been lighting teams up. In particular, their pitching staff. I mean, first of all, Rob, I know you've been to the Dome a couple times already. What's it like just seeing them back at home in that stadium? Yeah, you know, obviously, if you're someone who's been around the Blue Jays all your life, like I have, and 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 watched baseball in Toronto, it's it's great to have them back, and and you could really sense a a real appreciation of the of the fans uh, having them back at the Dome, of course. But what kind of struck me from the four or five times I was down there was sort of the genuineness of the players' appreciation of it. Like, I mean, you ask them about it, and of course they're going to say that they're glad to be home, right? They're not going to tell you that they're not. But I, my sense was that they they really appreciated it, and 
you know, they really felt that the 14,000, 15,000 people in the building were making the noise of 30,000. And, and, and that's in part because, you know, they were playing games in Dunedin and in Buffalo, both minor league stadiums. And in a lot of cases in, in, in both of those parks, um, heavy out-of-town support. Whenever the Yankees or the Red Sox were in Buffalo, it was clearly they were the visiting team almost. And Dunedin, they were only getting crowds of a, a couple of thousand people. So they never really had a sense of playing in front of a home crowd for for a full-on two years. And, and to be back in a big league stadium, which is always, as we and we've discussed this in the past, much uh, more comfortable for these guys. They're big league players. They made it to the show. They want to stay in the show. Um, they appreciated that, but it was also fun to watch guys like uh, like Ryu and Semyon, and especially George Springer, who were had this like really weird fascination with the CN Tower because um, they never. I mean, of course, they'd been to Toronto as as visitors, but but to see it sort of on a nightly basis for five or six nights, and the weather was great when they were here. They, they were fascinated by the by the by the CN Tower, and they they felt really comfortable there. And I think. Um, you know, as intangibles go, it, it, it worked in that first homestand and, and could be a factor going down the stretch for them as well. Rob, I wanted to pick up on something you just said about the players and talking to them and genuinely thrilled to be back. Has the attitude of the players towards the media changed at all? I mean, hey, I was down there a lot in the 90s, and if I'd never talked to Dave Steve again, I'd be fine with that. But has it changed at all? Well, this is going to be a bit of an ongoing story, I think, because – you know, if you if you go from the 90s to 2019, which is the last time we were able to really do our job uh, properly, there would certainly have been a, a change in attitude from players towards the media. And I suspect that a lot of them don't mind the fact that the clubhouses are closed, you know, that and locker rooms and dressing rooms across sports. They, they a lot of players felt that was sort of an invasion on their on their mm -hmm. privacy. Um, now, having said that, a lot of them are completely fed up with having to do zoom calls. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a very tiresome thing for them. And, and in terms of relationships, whether it be player to media member or media member to player, you don't, you can't foster those through zoom. So um, the fact that we're able to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with players now, albeit on the field and during batting practice, I think it's sort of welcome from both sides. And, and the, for the first week or so anyway, uh, for that for that portion of time, at least, they seem to be genuinely appreciative mm. of the one-on-one -on -one contact. We'll we'll see how that evolves because I think it's really going to be an ongoing story a story in terms of media and, mm -hmm. and athletes going forward because I think that um, teams will continue to try to restrict access, uh, and uh, the pandemic is in part enabled to do to do that. Much of that has to be negotiated in, in, in labor talks and such because the uh, media media access is sort of entrenched in, in CBAs through, across sports. But um, my sense is that the players uh, kind of appreciate the restricted ac access, but at the same time, sort of glad to have face-to-face -face versus Zoom. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for all the uh, the John Rolleroods who were a fabulous guy to talk to, um, there was a lot of guys who uh, I didn't really want to. But, hey, um, tell us about your thoughts of how good this team is. I, what, I, I'm not sure the streak they're on now, 11 of 13 or 14, whatever it is. They're hot. They haven't gained much ground because the other teams are too. But can they keep this going? Well, you, you answered your question with your two, the question with your two-part question. I think this team is really good. I think they've been uh, definitely improved at the trade deadline, especially with getting Barrios as a, as a, as a real strong arm in that, in that rotation. I mean, obviously the team can hit and score runs. George Springer's on fire right now. Um, you know, obviously Guerrero's going through a bit of a blip, but I suspect that won't last long. They're going to hit, they're going to score runs with anybody in the, in the league. 
But the concern would be, have they left themselves with too much to do? And, and, and as you as you mentioned, Clarky, um, everybody else seems to be winning except for the Red Sox. But the, the Yankees tend to be winning and the Rays tend to be winning and even the Athletics. So um, I stand by my, my projection that I think I told you guys a month or so ago that it's going to take 92 wins to get a wild card spot in, in the American League. And while that's not impossible, and they certainly set themselves up with it uh, for that kind of a result with, with what they've done over the last two weeks, they've still got some work to do. Um, and they can't afford to lose any series, in my opinion, and they, they can't afford to split too many. They've got, they're going to have to play another 12 games or 13 games over 500 uh, in, in the remaining 48 or 49 or whatever it is. And again, doable. We saw the, the 2015 Blue Jays do just that, but it's still a tall order with, with the teams that they have to catch. Working for them, uh, the schedule is pretty light. They play a lot of weaker teams. And you know, once you once weaker teams sell at the trade deadline, they become even weaker. So opportunity is going to be there for them to make some ground, but there's there's some work to be done for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of Baltimore on the schedule remaining for the Toronto Blue Jays, but it, coming up key, um, Rays and Yankees. They've got a couple of series against those two teams, and especially against the Yankees. I think they face them. Um, 10 more times before the end of the season. Uh, they got a four-game series and I believe a couple three-game sets. So uh, that could be the season right there because if Boston continues to fall off, Tampa wins the East, it's going to be between the Jays and the Yankees for that second wildcard spot. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, and the thing that would, would worry you as a Blue Jays fan would be that the Yankees seem to have uh, uh, improved their form of late. So they're, they, they're somewhat back on track. And, and I, I maintain that of those 10 games, there's a three-game set at the Rogers Center on the Blue Jays' last homestand. I don't think it's the last three games. I think they have three against – it might be Baltimore after that. But I'm of the opinion that that three-game series is going to mean a heck of a lot. And, you know, it'll really be exciting in the city, especially if capacity um, were to, to increase at the, at the Rogers Center, uh, to have those three games uh, mean something and have real meaningful baseball – Played in Toronto for the in September for the first time since 2016. I mean, it's in some ways it doesn't seem that long ago, but in some ways it seems like an, an eternity, given all that's uh, been under the bridge since then. But yeah, the Yankees, the, those those games against the Yankees and and the Rays are going to mean a lot. They're done with Boston, obviously, and they do have the lightweights on the on their schedule. But the, in the head-to-head matches against teams that, that it may mean something, uh, they're going to have to play well. They certainly are. Uh, we're chatting with Rob Longley, the Blue Jays beat reporter for the Toronto Sun. Rob, you know, it, it's been interesting, and I mentioned off the top that they've been beating up teams on this streak, 12-14 as we record this, like I said, not only offensively, but on the hill as well. The The narrative around this pitching staff has completely changed from when we were talking to you in April, May, even June. Right now, Jose Barrios, Hyunjin Ryu, and Robbie Ray are all top 10 in ERA in the AL. And since his debut, Alec Manoa has the lowest ERA in the American League at 124. I mean, have you seen a narrative around a pitching staff in your time covering this team flip on its head quite like this? I mean, Manoa, everybody talked about Nate Pearson maybe being the young guy that would have a big impact. He His impact has been null and void. But Manoa, I mean, if you watch the pitching ninja stuff, he's always featuring his slider. He's got a disgusting big league slider. He's just striking guys out. He strikes out 11 the other night. I mean, the pitching staff, the narrative's completely changed, Rob. 
wait, did you just read the column that I filed to the Toronto Sun an hour ago? This is exactly I, what I wrote about. <laughs> I read your stuff. I read your stuff. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, you nailed it. And I did, I wrote an extended piece on this uh, for tomorrow's Toronto Sun and London Free Press and all the other great papers in the Post Media Network. Um, but yeah, they have three guys in the top 10 uh, uh, in ERA, a, a one, a four, and a seven um, with uh, Ray Berrios and, and Ryu. And, and Manoa doesn't qualify for those uh, those rankings because he hasn't pitched enough. But you could make the case that he is the most effective of those four. And indeed, his ERA is the lowest of those four. Um, so, yeah, the narrative, you know, we, you know, we, we talked about and I mentioned this in the article, but it was it was in September of 2019. And I can I'll always remember this day because we're sitting in in uh, Charlie Montoya's office, uh, visiting clubhouse office in, in Atlanta. And we asked him who the starter was going to be the next day. And he just kind of like shrugged his shoulders and said, um, it's going to be an opener and a guy. So like less than two years ago, it was going to be an opener and a guy. And now all they got are good guys. They got four really good starters, four, you know, bonafide, um, high leverage starting pitchers that can carry this team a long way. And, um, you know, I went back in sort of researching the column. I went back. I don't think we can, the, the Blue Jays could make that claim at, at any point in their club history that they had four guys that were in the top of the league in, in, in ERA. Obviously, they had Halliday for a number of years when he was right near the top. And sometimes he had one guy with him, but he never had two or three that could could make such a strong rotation. Um, so, the, 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 you know, the real key was the acquisition of Barrios at the trade, trade deadline. And that's and that's what's made the, the depth of that rotation so strong. But the question mark is still going to be that uh, the bullpen. I mean, the good thing is these guys are pitching seven and sometimes eight innings at a time, which takes some of the heat off of that bullpen. But we haven't seen enough consistency even since the trade deadline to make you say uh, to make you feel comfortable that they're going to go in there and, and shut down a lot of games. Um, and yeah, Manoa, man, he has just been so much fun to watch and. You know, other than you know, often you, the worry would be that a guy coming in maybe after six or seven starts, the league would get wise to him through video and just sort of the repetition. But you know, I don't think that's happening at all. In fact, I think that Manoa is becoming a smarter pitcher. Um, and you mentioned that slider, and it, it is dead nasty. But the beauty of it, I think anyway, is is the way he utilizes it. I mean, he's not throwing that at every at every at bat. He's you know he's 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 very careful and very uh, um, discriminating as to when he uses it in account, and and that only adds to it as his effect its effectiveness. And he can do that because his his fastball is so good. It's a heavy fastball, as the scouts say, and it's his location of it is really good. So whenever he wants to spot that slider in for a, a killer pitch, he's he's able to do that. And you know, if you look at the story of the Jays pitching staff this year. Um, it's Alec Manoa that's that's made the difference because, as you mentioned, you know all we wanted to talk about all of last year and through spring training is when is a, is um, a Nate Pearson going to be that guy? And uh, now we hardly talk about Pearson because Manoa has come in and and really taken his spot. And if you don't think he throws hard on Wednesday night, he hit a Angels player and his arm welted up immediately. It was unbelievable how, how uh, quickly that welted up. Yeah. Hey, uh, Vladdy, as you mentioned, uh, in a little bit of a slump. Uh, I don't like when I see guys taking their gloves off and and then putting their gloves back on and, and they're fighting through things. What do you think it is with Vladdy right now? Is he just getting tired? That's a possibility that he's getting tired. I've been you know, trying to – there's probably a few potential explanations for it. He certainly hasn't played this much baseball at any point in his career. He's you know at the stage where he's at 111 or 112 games. 
Um, so he's never had that. Sure, he's he's uh, much more fit than he's ever been. That's, there's no arguing that. But mm-hmm. there's a mental component to that as well. Um, and you wonder if maybe he's hitting hitting a bit of a grind phase. If I were if I were Jay's management, I I might give him the occasional day off. They've only given him one day off this season. Why not sprinkle in one every ten days down the stretch just to make sure you have him as as fresh as you can. But, but can you do that on the road, please? Yeah, like, honestly, do it on the road. Yeah. Don't do it in front of the fans here. Anyway, no, it's, that, that's a good point. I, I agree with that. The other thing, you know, is I wonder if maybe he's putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. Um, you know, in front of him in the lineup, all he sees is George Springer catching fire. Springer's been the hottest hitter uh, since the All-Star break, really. And, you know, that's what was expected of him. That's why they they paid him all that money. But maybe maybe Vladdy's feeling a little bit of pressure to uh, to keep up with him. And the other thing is... Um, historically, not that there's much of a history, but he hasn't had a whole lot of success hitting the ball out at the Rogers Center. He only had a couple home runs there in his rookie season in 2019, and he and he had two in this in this most recent homestand. For some reason, uh, he doesn't really have uh, hasn't had a lot of success there. And I don't know if it's uh, something with his eye as he as he looks at the ballpark or if he's trying to do too much in front of the home crowd. But he's yet to really catch fire at the Rogers Center. Um, something that maybe he's he's pushing a little bit too hard to do, but uh, they're going to need him to be good at home and on the road down the stretch because uh, he's such a big part of that offense. And I realize that there's guys throughout the order that could, that can hit, but uh, they seem to revolve around what Vlad Guerrero does, and they're going to need him to sort of snap out of whatever this funk is right now. I want to just touch quickly on on two veteran players. You mentioned Springer, and to see him back line up totally healthy. We're seeing exactly what was expected, but Marcus Simeon, like how big of a pickup is that for the Jays to fill that middle infield? Yeah, and it's huge. And we've talked about it, you know, before about the the issues on on defense with this team, and they've had some struggles with with uh, even this year with Bichette over at uh, at shortstop and with when Biggio was playing every day at third. But Semyon is just sort of that constant, that calming calming force in the middle of the infield at second base, and he's been spectacular. And he's backed it up with the bat. And, you know, I think um, he's kind of a quiet leader kind of guy, but I think he's been a really good influence on on, on some of those younger players. Uh, they really look up to him uh, both through for his experience that he's had in the league, but also with with the way that he plays and, and, and the way that he works. Um, the guys tell me that uh, he's the first one at the ballpark every day. Like he has this like ridiculous routine. He gets there at one o'clock for a seven o'clock game and, and 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 does all his workouts and and nutrition and and treatments and and it's just really like one of these hardcore de- dedicated professionals and I think some of that some of that is sort of uh, the younger players are feeding off of what they see from this guy but but most importantly it's what he's he's done on the field and you know it was sort of and I w- I wouldn't call it an under the radar acquisition because when you pay eighteen million bucks for a guy it's hardly under the radar but. Um, because of the, the so much of the story in the offseason was the pursuit of the big name guy like uh, like Springer, uh, Semyon sort of got glossed over a little bit. But I think the Jays had big expectations uh, from him, and I think Marcus Semyon had huge expectations of himself coming off a so-so 2020, realizing that a one-year deal could set him up for for being the big payday this offseason, and it's really uh, really to this point paid off uh, for both parties. 
Hey, I just wanted to let our uh, listeners and viewers know that uh, MWO Sports is coming down to the Sky Dome on September the 5th. Myself, Steve, and Ryan will be there to watch the Jays and the A's. So if you want to get a hold of us and get some autographs, Ryan will be signing those. Um, but Rob, what do you think? I just wanted to talk about baseball in general and the double headers and the seven inning games. I'm sure as a guy who has to wait through uh, two games in a day, you probably like them. But what do you think? long-term do you think that will last and do you think maybe baseball will think about going seven innings all the time it'll it'll be interesting to see i mean you know oddly it's been there's been an, an inordinate inordinate number of of double headers this year the jays have played seven i think and i think in the last five years they played a combined six so um if you follow the jays you're seeing a lot more double headers than you than you normally would and uh Yes, the seven inning games are much easier to digest if you're a fan and especially if you're a sports writer. But my my concern is that there is a bit of a gimmick element to it. You know, they just, you know, all of a sudden you get to the fourth inning and it's like, a, you know, we better get going here. We better get some get some runs. With, and, um, you know, it, it, it does help protect the, the bullpens, which was part of the reason it was put in. But the sense that I get is that Major League Baseball will go back to the full nine inning doubleheaders next year, that it was just sort of... Uh, a COVID measure. And and regardless, it's going to have to be uh, negotiated in uh, uh, with, with the players uh, association. And anytime something like that comes where you're trying to reduce the amount of time on the field, the union is not going to be too on board with that kind of thing. So yeah, it's been an interesting gimmick for the parts of two seasons, but let's get, let's get back to the tradition of playing nine inning double headers. That's where I sit on that. That would be awful nice, Rob. I just want to ask you one more general baseball question. It's something that's frustrated me as a baseball fan for a little while now. I mean, you, Steve, you bring up Marcus Semi and a guy. Now, I, I love the Jays. I support the Jays, but I am a diehard Oakland A's fan. And it still, to this day, makes me utterly sick that John Fisher and the ownership group there let him walk. And you see this happen in other markets. You look at the AL East right now. It's so fun watching these four teams duking it out. Then you look at a team like Baltimore more. They're going to lose a hundred plus games for a third straight season. You look at teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates, they won't pay anybody. Tampa, even despite their success, they won't pay anybody. You look around the league, it's so frustrating. The New York Mets, they have the richest owner in North American sports. They won't pay Kumar Rocker, whatever excuse they have for that. You look all around, the players have constantly accused and pointed at the owners for being too cheap, not competitive. A large majority of them aren't. How can baseball, the players union, I don't know who fix this? Would it be as simple as instituting something like a salary floor? I don't know. I'm just sick and tired of owners in baseball being absolute blankety blank. If I can censor myself cheapskates, I'm fed up with it. What's your opinion on that, Rob? Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, the issue, the only way to resolve it would be to have a salary cap and baseball's managed to to steadfastly avoid avoid that over time. Um, uh, from a Toronto perspective, at least we're starting to see Rogers realize that, um, you know, you can't get away with that in, in, in any market really, but when you're in a market that competes in the American League East against the Yankees and against the Red Sox, it's pretty difficult to not spend the money. The Rays have managed to do it, but they operate in a sort of a, they're a bit of an outlier compared to, to most of uh, uh, baseball franchises, but in, in Toronto, at least it's good to see that somehow uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins have convinced Rogers that, yeah, we're, you know, you want us to fill this stadium. You want us to have the TV ratings continue to be strong. You want to have the coast to coast appeal that we really had in 2015 and 2016. 
that we're going to have to spend some money. And in Toronto, you're going to have to pay a premium for it. I mean, they had to pay more. They probably $3 million more than they would have to get Semyon um, if they were in a different market. And they paid a premium to get both uh, Yenjin Ryu and George Springer. But uh, to their credit, at least Rogers has been convinced that they that they have to do that. And it, and it really stands out when, as you mentioned, the, you know, the rest of baseball, it's just these cheapskate owners really, really drag it down. And, you know, I always maintain that before I started covering baseball, my worry about doing the job would be, what the heck would you do when you got to July 4th and your team was 22 and a half games out of first place? What are you going to do for the next four months of, a se- of the season? I don't know how fans tolerate that in these kinds of markets because it's, it, it, it's, it's really, it has to be incredibly frustrating. You know, it's interesting, yeah. Ryan, your question uh, about the dynamics between players and owners and pay and everything else has been happening since the early 1900s and yes. <laughs> ever yeah. since this league was formed. So, uh, so I don't fix it. I don't think there's going to be any quick answer. Um, and and you're always going to have the teams that are going to be Baltimore, Pittsburgh, like that just can't find a way to, to get out of the cellar. On the flip side, you got other teams like San Diego now. The LA Dodgers are perennial spenders. Um, even when you go to the Midwest, St. Louis has been known. Uh, there's such a discrepancy. It'll also be interesting to see now with the wild cards coming into play, how many more teams will start spending money knowing that they can get into the playoffs a lot easier instead of just going with... Uh, Back in the day, only four teams out of the whole league, National and American League, made it to a a playoff round. Yeah, or conversely, not spending yeah, money you know, because not, they not, know they can back into the playoffs. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's and for some teams, it's not even so much about making it into the playoffs. It's being in, in having a shot at it as of Labor Day, so that you have some quote unquote meaningful baseball to be played in September, and at least that that way you you, you tend to have interest and in, and in fans in the seats and. And, and that's enough for a lot, a lot of franchise, but franchises, but for too many, they've even given up on that. And that's where the frustration comes in. You're certainly right, Rob. It's a, a problem we're still looking to fix hundreds of years later. I, I don't know. Maybe somebody will come up with a solution. Rob Longley, you can follow him on Twitter and read all of his great stuff. The Toronto Sun Beat reporter for the Blue Jays. Buddy, we really appreciate your time. We always love talking ball with you. Enjoy the Field of Dreams game and uh, keep enjoying the Blue Jays. And maybe we'll bump into you down at the Dome. That'd be great. I'll make sure we uh, we run into each other. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. All right. We'll take another quick break here on the show. When we come back, we'll do our betting segment. None of the cool bet guys could join us tonight. They're all too busy tonight doing fun things like watching the tennis tournament and golfing and all that fun stuff. So I will take over the betting segment and try and help you guys out a little bit with Pat Gregoire's picks from Cool Bet coming up next year on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to Wrap Things Up here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co, Ryan Drury alongside Clarky, and we appreciate Rob Longley, the Toronto Sun Blue Jays beat reporter, for joining us in the last segment. Always fun to talk ball with Rob. Uh, Clarky, uh, you know you know me, I'm what some maybe would describe as a degenerate gambler. No. I mean, not, not degenerate, but I, I like to lay down money that I win quite consistently. Really? Are you the guy? Are you the guy that makes money while betting? You're the guy. I heard there was a guy. You're right. I am the guy. And uh, yeah, I, I'm in comfortable plus money and uh, my plus money might get a little better because as we record this August 12th, the government did announce uh, it will enact legislation that will legalize single game sports betting 
in this country as of August 27th. It is known, of course, as Bill C-218. Justice Minister David Lametti says it will allow Canadians to, quote, bet on individual games in a regulated and safe environment. Clarky, real quick, your opinion on this. How might it change the sports landscape, people's viewership? Is it going to drag you more into it? What's your opinion on it? I don't know. Uh, if I'm not a big gambler, as I think you know. Um, I think it's really going to change the landscape. I think they're going to see... I don't know. I've heard that like places like... Uh, and this is all just hearsay, but I've heard like uh, the, some of the broadcasters may be offering it on their websites or even on the screen at the time. And it's just going to make it a lot easier to bet for sure. And we'll see what happens. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it does change the landscape. I'm excited about watching how it's going to, because I think it will change it. Um, it's just, I don't know how, I don't know. I think it'll evolve over time. Um, but having that opportunity now to do it, I think may change things for sure. It certainly could. Uh, I'm definitely interested to see what it does as well. Maybe it'll inject some more money into baseball owners' pockets and they'll start actually spending money. You never know. Uh, and, right. and, and CFL too could use some. Absolutely. Right. This could do wonders for the CFL. I've made some money over this off the CFL over the last couple of years, and I'm not even CFL guy. You are. Maybe I should be. You should be leaning into some CFL bets. Argos are one and all. That's all I know, baby. Argos to win logo, it all. One and all. You heard it here first. All right. So, uh, Obviously, we don't have any of our Cool Bet friends able to join us tonight. Hey, they're busy guys sometimes, but Pat Gregoire, our buddy from Cool Bet, did send me in some bets for you guys for the weekend. He likes the Bills plus one score for the exhibition game uh, this week. That's going on uh, Friday night. So as this airs Friday night, get the Bills at plus one score. Jays minus one against the Mariners. Run the money line on the Blue Jays. The Mariners, they're not a very good team. They've fallen off that hot streak they were on. And Pat also loves this for you NCAA college football fans take the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national title at plus 700. I actually think that's a great bet. That's an underrated one. Everybody looking at Alabama right now. They're a perennial powerhouse. Sure. You look at Clemson as well. Georgia, they are a sneaky good team. They've got a revamp receiver core with two guys on that team that could definitely be on NFL rosters right now. The Georgia Bulldogs at plus 700 to win the national title. I think that's pretty darn good money courtesy our friend Pat. Gregoire from Cool Bet. All right, guys, as you know, you can listen to this show Friday nights at 6 on CKNX AM 920 and stream it on cknx.ca. We are live on YouTube Friday nights at 9. You can watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. And if we you're going to be down at the ball game on September the 5th, 5th. Yes. Tweet at us. We'll say hello and Ryan will sign an autograph. We will go say hello. I don't think I'll need to sign any autographs, but I'm hoping despite my Jays garb right now that my Oakland A's come out with a win. They need it. All right. We appreciate you guys listening to and watching MWO sports brought to you as always by coolbet.co. <laughs>